So I think that a lot of times people uh, talk about allegedly difficult books, James or Joyce or something, and spend a lot of time trying to you know, talk up how difficult they are and then scare people away, which I don't know that any book's too difficult to read if you just open it and read it. The heart of any university is in its books, and the Boston College English Department is setting out to discover what books mean to its faculty and grad students in the digital age. You're on soundingsbc.com, and this is From the Bookshelf. I think that the books also have isolated moments in them. You'll remember one sentence or something that possibly totally out of context. Um, You're listening to Kevin Ohi. Last week, Professor Ohi sat down with Ronan to discuss reading, writing books, and the trouble with being a standout student. There's a, uh, a book called The Promise of the Dawn, or, uh, and there's a, a line in it. Uh, the narrator says, for reasons that I'm not totally clear on, that a man is not something that is not, a man is not something that can be, um, what's the verb? Uh, ridiculed. Uh, a man is not something that can be ridiculed. I don't know why he says it, but it seemed like a profound thing to say, and it made me think about a lot of things in different ways. So I'd say like, okay, this book that's not a great book, I mean, it's not a terrible book. It's not, it's not up there with James, in my opinion, but it has this one moment in it that you could say changes your life. I think lots of books have these, have these moments in them. One of the things I'm working on now involves writing about, among other texts, uh, Jacob's Room by Virginia Woolf and As I Lay Dying by Faulkner. And these are not new books to me. I've been reading them for a long time. But somehow they they're different to me now because of my current preoccupations. And they're also feeding into those preoccupations in a way that's changing them. I mean, I'm trying to think about uh, the relation of um, narration to experiences of desire. And that's not a, those aren't kind of terms that I had for reading those books when I, when I first read them, I experienced them as, you know, very beautiful and interesting and interesting for other kinds of questions. And, and now, I guess, rereading them in the context of something else I'm thinking about, they, they seem very different and they're triggering other things for me. Um, so is there a book that you've written that you've most enjoyed writing? Uh, I think, you know, I'm always, I'm always most interested in the one that I'm writing at the moment. I mean, I, I just finished a book on beginnings. It's called Inceptions. That's uh, the book is called Inceptions. So I'm maybe most excited about that because it's just it's just finished. It's been sent off to someone to decide whether they'll take it or not. Um, so I probably am. It, it, it's it's a book about. Um, I'm probably most excited about that one. the The book about uh, is about the question of beginnings, like how texts begin, like novels, poems in particular. And there's certain kinds of formal questions, like Brodsky has a, uh, says, a, says something about the beginnings of poems, that he says, remember that the meter, the meter takes shape in the second line. And that's, that's clear in any number of examples. That is, you need, in order to establish a pattern, you need to have at least two things. Like you, and there, you know, Ovid has a, there's a particularly famous example in Ovid, the beginning of the Metamorphoses, looks like it's going to be in one meter, because probably because Ovid is famous for inventing this, the, the elegiac couplet, which is, uh, which takes a foot off of the dactylic hexameter. Um, and then in the second line of the Metamorphoses, that foot comes back, and so you're not in 
that meter, but you're in the meter of epic. So it's like making a statement in the second line about what the meter is. But, but the reason I'm talking about that is that it seems to me to suggest something about beginnings, that the texts have somehow need to establish the grounds of their own starting out. And um, so lots of interesting things happen at the beginnings of text. So there's this, a series of essays that I really enjoyed writing. Um, uh, so yeah, we'll see how I feel about it in a year or two or three or whatever, but that's probably what I'm most excited about. Um, yeah. Do you remember a point at which you became an avid reader? Uh, I'm still pretty lazy. I mean, I, I mean, I guess, uh, uh, I, I think, yeah, I mean, in some ways it happened kind of late. I mean, I guess I should take that back. I mean, I'm, and it is true that I'm lazy, but that's probably not relevant to the, the question. Um, I, I think one of the things that I had to get over, and I probably, you know, maybe it was sometime after my promotion to full professor or something, um, was being a really good student. Um, it seems to me that this is one of the things that is intellectually highly destructive and marring of one intellectually. That is like thinking that there are tasks that you have to be good at. I mean, there's no real reason why someone should be good at both biochemistry and, you know, Latin and, you know, musicology. And I mean, you, so, and one of the things that I think being a super, a super student does is blunt your access to the pleasure you have and the things you actually and so I think that what I didn't realize that I was, that I was secretly motivated by pleasure the whole time, but it was so taken up with, with um, having to do these other things. So I think if I had it to do over again, I mean, of course, like, if I did this, I might not have this job and there'd be, uh, you know, lots of other things could have gone wrong, but I think I would have been a much worse student um, and not force myself to study things I didn't care about. So anyway, uh, that's to say that I think I became an avid reader, if that's the question. Um, at some point after my first book, um, when, when, this, when, you, when you sort of realize that, A, it doesn't matter, that is, uh, I mean, it, I don't know if I would put it that way, um, you know, f fame and, and wealth and, uh, um, the world's recognition aren't going to come because you write a third or fourth or fifth book or whatever about literary questions. Um, I think you end up having to do it for yourself. And at that, at that moment, I think it was sometime when I'm writing, when I was writing the second book about Henry James that, um, I realized that it was for me and that that meant that I think my writing became much more idiosyncratic and more personal. Um, but it also opened it up to like avenues of, of enjoyment that I had was, was always, it was always there. I mean, I think that I just didn't know it as such, you know. From the Bookshelf is a production of the Boston College English Department. Special thanks to Joe Nugent and Kevin Ohi, as well as Ronan Kelly for recording the interview. My name's Peter. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>